When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Cam Luke and Campbell Brown. Hello everybody, wherever you might be, and a very warm welcome to you. It is Taz Racing Talks. And a big weekend. We're on the verge of it. Campbell Brown, Cam Luke, what a weekend ahead of us. What a weekend last week. Well, Peter Staples will join us. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Stiller Star and Mystic Journey. Even if Pete says, you know what? I'm still emotional after how well the Tassie horses ran. Uh, if he doesn't join us, we're still going to bloody well talk about him. There is so much to get into. How you doing, big fella? Going well. Yeah, no, going well. Big shout out to, mm-hmm. to Bill Ryan too because he tipped his uh, red letter lady as well. He just said yes. that... You're going to look ahead to Sunday. Um, it might run well. It won the first um, in Devonport. So that got off. got my Sunday off to a lovely start. I'll tell you what, we have got a huge weekend. Also got to say, just, just on that, uh, he did say to you, <laughs> you've got your speed maps wrong. And uh, you were hoping <laughs> <laughs> that the horse led, of which, funnily enough, the man who trains the horse knew exactly where the horse was going to go uh, in I, transit. I, I did say to you off here, uh, I reckon Bill's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it'll go to the front, but no, how, how well did they both run? Brilliant. Absolutely um, it was, brilliant. It was, apart from them not winning, you know, obviously, they could not have either of them run any better. And um, you knew at about the, the four or 500 that uh, they were both going to be yep. fighting the finish out. Um, the sectionals were, were absolutely outstanding uh, as well. So, no, it was a really good day. Mystic Journey ran the, the fastest last We're huge. 800. And then I, th- I think the fastest last 200 of the whole day, the whole nine-card race meet, which just, just tells you that uh, she's come back in. All right. Cameron. Standing order. Yeah, she was. And I think she, she enjoys Flemington, obviously, if you look at her past results. But the fact is that when she draws a gate that means she's not inside of horses, she lets down, and we've seen a little bit of that on the weekend. Cameron Thompson's going to join us. Chris Howlett as well. So much to get into, but we're going to start with our man whose family dominates the Breeders' Classic. I speak of uh, Brendan Ryan, who joins us, of course, the Launceston Breeders' Classic on Monday. Can't wait for it. Worth 7.5K to the winner, of which uh, his dad in particular knows a great deal about. Brendan, hello to you. Hi, guys. Yeah, no, it was a uh, tremendous result uh, this last year, actually, when we... Uh, finished first four in a breeders, you know, you, you try and get one runner in a race, let alone four, and, uh, you, you know, that magical result when they've crossed one, two, three, four in the final, it's a bloody good feeling, let me tell you. Hey, Brennan, I, I know that uh, you haven't known Campbell Brown and myself for a great deal, and you're just starting to get to know each other, but no humility around here, mate. <laughs> Tremendous is not a word that should be used for a race of this calibre to, one, get four greyhounds into the race, and then go bang, 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 You've got to bump it up a little bit. No humility, please, mate, from uh, now on in. (laughs) Oh, no, I'll try my best. But the one thing about it, there was one greyhound that finished in the placings, a dog called Handsome Prince. Uh, We sold him a little bit later on in his career, and you wouldn't believe it. He came out and won the million-dollar chase at Wentworth Park last year. 
That's never ideal nah. when you get rid of one and well, uh, goes on to greater things, is it? Glass half full type nah. of thing, I guess. Yeah, that is. Yeah, no. Look, he was. You know, not only that, he just done a lot for Tassie Racing because he was locally bred, and in you know, he had that little gut feeling, thinking, "Oh, I wish I held on to him." But you never get more of a thrill when you see a pup grow up from you know from a little fellow all the way up to a race dog, and he's you know, four or five lengths in front and hits the line and wins a million dollars. It's a great feeling. What was the reason you did decide to uh, part ways with the, with the dog? Um, it was just around the time that we weren't set up properly to have... We didn't have a good mix of our own stock and, you know, and racing dogs at the time. So, um, look, the opportunity was too much to refuse. Um, look, our, yeah, a lot of our racing here doesn't top... Uh, cater for the top grade dogs, so he was going to find it a you know hard to get races. So we took the punt, and um, you know we've kept a good association with the people that took the dog. He's now retired; he'll go to stud. So we're going to look forward to seeing you know in the next generation of some handsome princes hit the track. Based on that experience, based on a little bit further down the track, and and based on maybe a little more of the experience overall, do you think it's something that you would may in the future look to to race it yourself on on the mainland and the bigger races of which you touched on? Uh, yeah, look, we've actually got a couple of um, females that we've bought um, locally uh, here in Tasmania. One was actually in Queensland. She'd just come on to her time of the month. She was actually heading up there to, to be you know, tested for a couple of big major yep. races. But, um, yeah, no, that's what we plan to do because that's what we do here as our family. We try and breed and race our own stock. Oh, well, this is going to be a huge weekend. Of course, the Breeders' Classic worth uh, just over 7000 As I touched on, we're going to get uh, Simon Milgate very shortly to to touch on uh, one in particular in this race. But what, what's your early thoughts on this race and how you think it might play out? Oh, look, I think it's a terrific field. Uh, you know, we've had four good semifinals held there last Monday night and it's put together a great field. And I think um, the trainer, Gary Fay, has got two of the most outstanding runners in the race. And I think just maybe, uh, look, it's drawn in box three and I think it could get a good run of the race. Uh, the four and five runners, Rojo McGee and Rojo Diamond, are... Uh, are runners that are known to shift up the track. So I think it should give a good, you know, um, passage for just maybe to take a good charge into the first corner. It showed brilliant box manners last week, and I think it's got plenty of potential. It's got raw ability, but it's got potential in the making. Now, 0499 736 736 to get involved. You can do that whenever you want. This is also, and we're going to talk about the experience or the inexperience of a, of a couple of these greyhounds uh, facing the box on Monday night. Do you think that plays into it at all? Because there are a couple in this race that haven't had a great deal of, in particular, high-intensity race experience. Oh, certainly. Look, as I touch on, like, Just May being and Minnie's Magic, too, for Gary Fay, they made their uh, career debuts last week, and they could have been more impressive, but, you know, we've now shrunken, and we've got a very good feel for young dogs in this race, so it's going to be a test against them. There's a couple of runners that have got experience in their form, um, so it's good mix. So, yeah, this is a race that is a, a great launching pad for dogs and a good experience to, you know, really educate them for the racing. Hey, Brennan, so much of what we discuss, in particular about Monday night, is based around this particular race. But it, it, it sometimes it does diminish the rest of the card, which is more on us, more so than the actual strength of the undercard, which no doubt has got some nice races as well. Uh, we've got two heats of the um, Steve King Ladies Bracelet Series, and they're open to the best 16 females. And, look, the quality is there. We've got the likes of Media Paso, Classy Lady, Miss Avatar in the first heat, and we've got Annie the Cash. Uh, Red Card Reggie, Buckle Up Aslan and Ray Lee and always Baroque who was the Illingworth Classic winner earlier this year so um, 
two good heats. The top four from each heat will go through to the final Monday week. And, uh, yeah, no, looking forward to a real good night's racing there on Monday. What's the vibe? What's the vibe around it? And we've, we've touched on this as well. And you get to this time of the year, spring has sprung. You can... If you're unaware of that, you can just jump on social media and every influencer seems to give you uh, the has reminder. That's magnificent. <laughs> um, it's just an exciting time for it. I'm assuming this is going to be no different as we get into Monday night and get over the next couple of weeks where really there's some outstanding racing. Oh, it certainly is. We've got, um, you know, the really big roll-on effect towards our main feature races that will happen starting in November, December, or even October, where we've got the Devonport Chase and the Hobart Thousand coming up and the Tasmanian Gold Cup. So we've got a lot of minor feature races, the major restricted races that'll come up, like the St. Ledger and the Laurels, that'll, that are just, you know, roll on one after the other. But this is where we're going to see some real strong candidates build up towards our big uh, major th- group th- uh, three group races we hold here for Grand Racing. Is, is there one particular race, Brennan? I know you've got the family connection to this one, but is there one that as a, as a Greyhound fan that you really get excited about? Oh, the Hobart Thousand is the race for me. It's one of the oldest races held in Grand Racing all over Australia. It's been going since the early 30s, and it's been won by some champion dogs, and we've had a couple of runners in the race. I think... We finished fifth one year and fourth the previous year, so we're looking to improve on the placings. It's hard to get a runner for it, but yes. <laughs> um, about timing. But we, you know, re, you know, we had Tommy Shelby who came across here last year and won it, and what a champion dog he's turned mm. out to be. Australian Greyhound of the Year, WA Greyhound of the Year, and has won so much money and, and is a great focus for Grand Racing for the newcomers coming in. Tommy Shelby great is done too. brilliant and has done more kilometres than any other person or dog or horse that lives in Australia in the last 18 months. Oh, yeah. He has. I spoke, yep. yeah, no, I spoke to uh, Steve Withers after he won the race and, you know, he, he's such a humble bloke, Steve. He just The main priority for him is just to look after the dog and make sure, you know, he's happy because he's the one who's, you know, out on the track doing the business and, and Steve's been a great ambassador for Greyhound Racing, not only for WA, but for all over Australia, especially right in the peak of COVID. He was travelling around and relied on, you know, people to, you know, take him in and the dog. So, and he deserved to get Trainer of the Year for his efforts as well. Yeah, bloody oath he did. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six to get involved. The Launceston Breeders Classic Monday, uh, race six on Monday night. Can't wait for it. And a man who no doubt is as excited as we are is Simon Milgate. Of course, he bred Tyler's girl. He's been in wonderful form, but finally got that win last Monday night. Simon, welcome to Taz Racing Talks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, she did finally break through, which was sort of what she was sort of living up to with her trialling. And Tarkine as well. It was unfortunate he didn't make it to the final. But, yeah, it's all it's all for this, this Monday night. So hopefully everyone gets around safe and... I agree with Brennan that Clay's dogs are probably the, the ones to beat. Simon, uh, look, you know, for people out there, it must give you a great experience to and a great thrill to, you know, not only breed the litter, but to see one of your own pups that you've read goes across the line and is racing, you know, one of the biggest age-restricted races we've got for young pups. It must give you and the family a great thrill. Yeah, it is, yeah particularly me more than the missus. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, no, it does. And, and, you know, like you, like you say, you know, you help, you, you welcome them down and then you, you care for them for that long time. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of, um, you put a lot of money towards it. Obviously it's not cheap to rear a litter of 10, 
I got some other people involved, which is good, and they're getting a real buzz out of it. So, um, yeah, my next-door neighbour as well, he's he's a shareholder. Oh, well, that's terrific. And, Simon, look, guys, to, to what people may not may or not know, Simon's very um, astute in regards to, uh, you know, different size all over the country and, you know, all over the world. And I wanted to ask you this question, Simon. Confident Rankin... Um, now, he's an overseas sire. How did you come about picking him to, to mate with Tyler Grace, the the brood bitch? Well, um, I bought the straw. It was advertised. I'm, I'm fairly tight when it comes to buying straws. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not ashamed to, to buy them. I bought a straw and I thought, well, I looked around and um, looking at his results over in England and Ireland and um, he's just clicking so well with headbound bitches. Um, so yep. I thought I'm going to have to find a headbound so I um, or brood I should say and um, I rang um, Aussie Chagaya over in South Australia and Tyler's girl uh, Tyler's Grace Tyler Grace sorry was just finishing up her career and he he um, let me have her on a pup deal and um, yeah they're they're a 10% shareholder because there's 10 in the litter and they're having a bit of fun and there's we sent one of the pups over there as well so he's He's got one of the pups there to look at who he's quite happy with. Yeah, uh, Simon, we just spoke a little bit before you joined us about uh, some of the inexperience in the race and the fact that a couple of these that are going to go around on Monday haven't necessarily been exposed to the high-intensity race we expected to be on Monday. Uh, Tyler's Girl being the, the most experienced, we, we discussed the, the consecutive places. I think it was five in a row before it got the win. But that's something that should hold uh, her, her in good stead come Monday night. Yeah, I think so, mate. Um it's just unfortunate she doesn't begin as well. And what Gary's two to debut and run those times, um, that was that was really fantastic and a credit to them. But um, yeah, with with Tyler, like if she can just begin a little bit better, and um, I think she might have turned the corner there on Monday because mm. she did show a little bit of field sense. I think on the home turn she went around the the second dog. She was running third, and then she she ducked on the inside. So that's a that's a positive sign that maybe she's starting to, you know, negotiate a field a bit better than early days. Simon, I'm massive with horses talking about race experience and um, quite often we, we take on first starters just because uh, they don't have that race experience. Is that a little bit the same with dogs or is, is not as, uh, not as much? Well, you can, you can do a lot behind the scenes, like trialing and, and stuff like who's to know, like you might've had, those dogs in a half field trial for, you know, like there's plenty of opportunities to do that, not in a race environment, but trial days. Yep. So you can, you can trial with three, four, five other dogs if, you know, if you wanted to. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think so. It's, it's a big, it's a big thing. They're getting kenneled for a period of time. It's, it's a big thing for young pups and um, yeah, it is, it can be a bit daunting. And so, yeah, well, Tyler's girls had a fair few runs. So let's just, Let's hope, yeah, she can maybe place or I don't know. I reckon it's going to be hard to going to be hard to beat Pays. I tell you. Hey, before we let you go, Simon, we always appreciate you jumping on the line, and having a chat to us. You, you, you're not uh, exactly new to winning some of these big races, the Launceston Cup back in 2015. Yeah, that's right, Brad Hill, Billy. We um, bred him down the west coast. Um, Joe Pringle and myself, Joe Redham, and yeah, that was a real buzz. That was that was something huge. Just just to run you know, the Lonnie Cup, like, that was amazing. And um, to run second in the Easter Egg, and it was just a real buzz. It's, he went to start. He hasn't really thrown much. Um, but nevertheless, um, I've got that line to carry on with there. 
they're the same line as um, Faye's pups that are running yep. on Monday night. Yeah, so I've got um, I've got a, a bitch out of that line as well, which I'm going to continue breeding with. Lily Lola, she she um, she won 30 odd races and in the care of uh, Alan Clark and Anthony Bullock. They did a great job with her, and uh, I've just got her recently at home to to carry on the line there for myself. Just just a bit of a, a reference here. Of course, Campbell Brown wins an AFL premiership and they celebrated for a year and it cost him making the eight the, the following year. Then he, 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 fa- he famously won a group one and, and got arrested. Uh, what, what's it like winning a Lonnie Cup, mate? What was it like, the celebrations after it for yourself? Oh, oh it was amazing. Like, I'm being a Hawks for too. So, yeah, that was a young Campbell. But, yeah, um, good, yeah, um, yeah, it was fantastic. We weren't overly... We weren't overly confident, but he was a young dog and he sort of clicked at the right time. But I just remember up in the grandstands, like it was in, in clothes and I was yelling that hard when he was coming home and people were turning around looking at me. And I, they were like, I was, I was yelling the roof off. It's just such a buzz. But um, in saying that, the next litter, like we got a litter trifecta at Devonport on a Tuesday afternoon with probably 20 spectators there. And that was a, that was a big buzz as well. So it's just... You know, doesn't matter where you are. Look, it's it's just a good good thrill of the game, isn't it? It is, and in particular when you when you touch on the fact that you've got your neighbours and you've got people you know and and family and friends involved, it's it's a it's a huge buzz when uh, your greyhound gets past the post first. Yeah, the, the best thing, Simon, well, about getting your neighbour involved in is is if he doesn't pay the bills, at least you know where he lives. Well, he's an Irishman. I was so stoked when an Irishman moved in and. He doesn't drink, and that was a bloody shock. Yeah. But um, he's got a 2.5% share, and that was the clincher because now when he rings up and says, oh, your dogs are barking, I just say, nah, mate, they're your dogs. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Love it. Hey, Simon, good luck, mate, on Monday night. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Simon Milgate uh, for the big one on Monday night. Brennan, before we let you go, mate, you've got to give us a tip. Who are you tipping? I'm going to stick with just maybe on top from box three in the final. Look, I think she was pretty impressive to clock, you know, the times that she went through the series. 29.91, look, I think she can get down in time. She showed brilliant manners, good split to the first corner. That's going to be a crucial mark, and I think she's going to be hard to beat. Brilliantly done, Brennan. We appreciate it, mate. Enjoy Monday night for everything that it is as as a greyhound lover. You'll be on track, will you? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm actually the racing photographer there, so I'll oh. be right up and close and personal. So. You, you'll be the closest person. Tracks, yeah. there we go. You do it all, mate. And uh, looking forward to chatting again this time next week, mate. Thank you. Not a problem. Thanks, guys. Brennan Ryan joining us, the Launceston Breeders Classic, a race six on Monday night. And it really is the, uh, I won't say entree because there's a lot coming, mm. but the start of what is going to be like an eight-course meal over the next couple of months. Yes, yeah. that's where I roll because this is how big the racing is in Tassie. We're going to get to a break. So much to get into. Campbell Brown, Cam Luke, it is Taz Racing Talk. All thanks to Ladbrokes. You can get involved anytime you like. 0499 736 736. Live around Australia on SEN Track, you're listening to Taz Racing Talk with Cam Luke and Campbell Brown. Now, wherever you might be, you can watch us as well in the studio. Big wave brownie. Yeah, we just they could see us eating some pizzas in the yeah. break. No, I hope they weren't on in the break as we uh, <laughs> got ready. We got to fuel up for a we big do, weekend. No, we do. Yeah, it's a massive Friday, huge, isn't it? Huge. Now, I'll tell you why. It's a massive day as well because you're a, you're a big fan of this horse we're about to talk about. A huge fan. It's going to be a Caulfield tomorrow. Yes. It's it's going to be very, 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 very good race. It is a favourite, and deservedly so, but it's a, it's a nice race. I'm talking to Hella. It was undefeated. 
won its first seven, went bang, 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 bang. Then, of course, took on a little group one and probably was a little bit disappointing. But uh, we'll see what Neil Walsh has to say because he is a part owner of Hello Running Tomorrow. Neil, welcome to the show. How are we, lads? Mate, we are excited because we get to see this horse, I think, give a lot more tomorrow than what we've seen last time, in particular at Morfordville. Oh, definitely. Look, um, it was just well below her best at Morfordville. Something wasn't right on the day. Uh, been hard to pinpoint since, but um, one thing's for sure, she seems to have come back bigger and better again. And uh, she's certainly got some unfinished business this spring, so we're really looking forward to it. Was it just a case, maybe, that the horse had come to the end of, of the preparation? Uh, look, I would say only that combined with the travel. I would, you know, what we could, you know, put it put it down to at the end of the day is that, you know, some, something wasn't right on the day. She was probably three gears below her best. Um, mm. I think David Perez summed it up best at the 600. He went he went to click up for that first gear and it just wasn't there. You know, she still led to the corner, but he, he knew at the 600 were an awful bother. And obviously that big rest, uh, well, 20 weeks spelling, and then, of course, you, you talk bigger and better, and, and a lot of these fillies come back a, a lot more mature, and not just physically, but also mentally when they go into a different race or at least a, a higher-intensity, higher-pressure race. And there is no doubt, even though it didn't go well that day, she's going to take some experience from it. Oh, definitely. Look, I mean, it was her first time off the, off, off the island, so mm. to speak. So uh, she had a plane trip, a road trip. Uh, everything that was that was you know she was born and bred in Tassie, so every, everything was new to her. But um, look, I would say one thing for sure was Scotty Brunton's horse down to push them early. Uh, she she's been allowed to tick along at her own leisure, and um, certainly, yeah, we 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 hold really high hopes that she is a real deal. And uh, yeah, I think she proved that in the strut before she went over there. Yeah. That she is. David Perez has uh, been the only jockey that's uh, that's ridden this horse on race day. I know Siggy Carr's trolled uh, the horse a couple of times. You've engaged the service of Talia Hope with the, the two kilo claim. Um, is that, uh, were you wanting to get a claiming apprentice? Yeah, look, definitely. This has been a long range plan of Scott um, to run her in the 78. Uh, she was also nominated there for the How Now, but this day and over 1200 has been pinpointed as a resumption from a fair way out. So uh, we're very thankful, you know, during these COVID times that um, we've been able to send her over to uh, Mitch Friedman and Talia Hope have been looking after her. So Talia has ridden her in a dump out at stall there uh, 10 days ago and then uh, galloped her on Tuesday and uh, she was quite effusive in her praise for her after that uh, grass gallop at Ballarat on Tuesday. So I'm sure she knows her well by this stage. She's been riding her at work each morning and um, yeah, hopefully ho- hopefully she's got the faith in her that we do. You mentioned that, that jump out at stall. You, you mentioned, of course, her being over here for a little bit. Was, was that decision based on the fact to, to try and take any of that uh, travel issue she had going to Adelaide out? of the equation or was it always the, the way to look at it either way? No, look, it was definitely, I know it pains poor old Scotty to, <laughs> to the extreme to have to let go um, that far out from a yep. race uh, and, and hand over. But um, the reality is that 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 was the best option to get her settled in there. Um, at the moment, we're struggling for grass trials in Tassie. So um, it made, made made the option very simple for her to go over there and have have, have a trial settle in. And hopefully, like I say, the, uh, the reports are really good from her piece of work there on Tuesday that she has settled in and, and is ready to rock and roll. Part owner Helen, Neil Welsh joins us on Taz Racing Talk. Uh, I... What is the what is the plans? What are the plans here? And uh, you know, we expect her. Everyone expects her. The market in particular expects her to run well. Is there a, is it a race by race situation? You, you you touched on the fact that this is a race that had been cemented for a while to kick off her preparation. So I'm assuming there's a couple of races you do have in mind. 
Yeah, look, every, every, everything's targeted towards, you know, and you, you, you've got to aim high. And yep. we certainly were happy to put a line through the Australasian Oaks and, and, mm-hmm. not, and not lower our standards. So we're looking towards, you know, all going well. She would progress towards the Empire Road. Yeah. But sad day will obviously tell us a lot more. And maybe, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out how sharp she is on Saturday. Um, if not, you know, possibly a race like the Matriarch may, may, may be in the maybe in the pipeline down the track. But if she was to win on Saturday, um, you know, I don't want to speak for Scott, but I know he would have in the back of his head that uh, the Trist arc in over 14 in three weeks would be would would be the would be the natural progressing. How good would it be for Tasmanian Racing if she does progress to uh, the Tristark and then the Empire Rose? It could potentially be three Tassie horses, Mystic Journey and Still a Star. I know that they've got on record saying that that's the that's They're the one that they there. want at the end of the prep. That'd just be brilliant if if you know uh, one, let alone three of you could get there. Absolutely outstanding, you know. Like they they have been. Well, first of all, Mystic Journey was you know the dominant filly in her three year old year. Then it was Still a Star. And then it was Heller. So, you know, it, it just shows you, I think, that a, a good horse will measure up anywhere. If, if, if they're dominant in, the, in their age and their grade, um, it doesn't matter what state they're from, they'll, they'll go and hold their own against the best. Uh, I, when you just think about it, because last week we, we, we spoke Peter Staples and he was like, I'm expecting still a star and mystic journey to be in a ding-dong battle in the straight. Now, they were in somewhat a battle. They were right there. So it would be so exciting for, for the state to see these three, two emerging in particular, mares and fillies, and one already a superstar in mystic journey. It'd be so cool for, for racing and continues to solidify how well it's going over there. Oh, definitely. Look, it's, yeah, I think even the Horsey Year Awards that we had there on Friday night just showed how much depth we've got um, here in Tassie at the moment. You know, like um, the horses coming through, then there were, there were no gimmies bar Turk Warrior getting the two-year-old a year of the war, but Ella didn't even win three-year-old of the year. It was Swoop Dog, who's another great horse. I mean, the carnival, let alone the spring carnival, the summer carnival here to look forward to, you know, races like the Newmarket and whatnot coming up is... Um, it's great, and it's great to see these older horses, you know, still getting back on track. Like Mystic Journey, she ran a slasher. Great to see the inevitable back in the winner's circle the other day. Yeah, it's just boosting, boosting it all the time. War correspondent will be heading over your way shortly, I believe. Um, he's another ripper. Um, plenty, 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 plenty of excitement around the traps and the way the Alpine Eagles are going at the moment over the past six weeks. Um, there's a lot to look forward to come, coming through in the future as well. Yeah, there sure is. Speaking of the future, Neil, have you got any other horses uh, in the in the stable, mate, that uh, you think are showing some ability that um, you, know, you just want to tip the listeners into down the track? Oh, look, we're, we're blessed at the moment. Honestly, we're blessed with some of the horses that we're involved in. Um, but I'd have to say, look, short term, if I was going to tip you into one, uh, put a circle around Melbourne Cup Day at Hobart. We were in a mare called uh, Reek Damblitz, who's another Night of Thunder filly. Mm-hmm. Uh, same age as Hella. You would have seen her a little bit in Melbourne there. Well, She, uh, she ran third in Saturday grade and then uh, third again at Standown. Twist of Fury, she'll line up in a 60 or 62 over 1,000 at uh, Hobart on Melbourne Cup Day, and I would think she'd be awfully hard to beat. Lovely. This is what we like. It's music to my ears. (laughs) Hey, Neil, uh, (laughs) thank you for joining us. And we didn't even get to Tasmanian Bloodstock, which I know we're going to talk about in the future. So we'll definitely get get you back on the line the next couple of weeks and talk a little deeper into all the great things that that you do there. But good luck tomorrow, mate, and we'll talk soon. Pleasure. Good on you, guys. Enjoy. Neil Walsh, hello. Race one tomorrow. Looking forward to it. And continually, this is what's happening each. It feels like each and every week. As a Tasmanian horse 
that is very high in the market when it comes to some of these big races. We head to possibly one, two, three, a Tasmanian trifecta. You jump in the into the $3.90 Rose. in the first? I'll go very close you, to it. I, th- I, th- I forget the feeling that if we do wait, you mm. might get a better price. Yes. Um, upon jumping sort of quarter past 12 tomorrow, I reckon it might get back into the you reckon? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll wait on your advice. And if uh, your advice is wrong, I'll uh, abuse you <laughs> by you text. Can, you can dock me the difference. <laughs> hey, Cameron Thompson's going to join us on the other side of the news. Live around Australia on SEN Track, you're listening to Taz Racing Talk with Cam Luke and Campbell Brown. Well, thanks to Ladbrokes as we get towards a big weekend and a man who is going places fast. Young trainer and he is having a great start to this particular season. I speak of Cameron Thompson who joins us on the line. Hello, buddy. Hi, guys. How are you going? Mate, not as well as you. It's been a great start to the season. You're flying and... I'll just ask you, is there a difference? Is there something you're doing differently or you just think uh, all things are going your way right now? Um, I'd probably say we've just got a few horses that are in that have got a nice bit of ability and this time of year, generally, our racing's probably not quite as strong as it it can be in the next month. So we probably just made the most of, I suppose you can say, make hay while the sun shines. Cameron, you're a 28-year-old. I know that racing's been in in your blood with your, your grandfather, Trevor Bricknell, being a trainer, but... About 10, 15 years ago, I looked at horse racing as the only the old people train. Yeah. I'm being totally respectful, of course. But all of a sudden, you've got yourself. You've got guys like Calvin McAvoy and Sam um, Friedman and, and the young brigade sort of coming through. Do you, do you sort of feel like you guys are the new wave of horse racing? Yeah, like I suppose it's in every industry, you've got to have young people coming through um, to you know sustain that, that uh, industry. But... In Tassie here, we're probably not quite fortunate enough that there's not a great deal of young people here in the thoroughbred training ranks. So um, I, we really do really get around each other and do what we can to support um, the younger trainers because we are the future of racing. And unfortunately, not everyone's around forever and we want to keep um, thoroughbred racing going in Tassie strong. Hey, how many how many people you got working for you, mate? How many you got in the staff? We've got about half a dozen um, casuals and full-timers and I've got an apprentice jockey. So it's just a, a nice number to keep sort of get all the jobs done and um, do a good job of the horses. So so when, when it comes to uh, obviously working the stables and working everything that comes with it, are, are you the one that, you know, are you the more hands-on when it comes to the horses? Are, are you someone who has the business now? So how does it all work for you and you find that right balance? Because it's as your team continues to get more successful, you get more horses and you get a little bit bigger, it can, it can sometimes be extremely complicated. Are you how mucking you the stalls it? out, Cameron? That's what uh, he wants to know. He's, he's mucking the stalls out. I know that. <laughs> I put my hand up to muck the stalls out, yeah. but um, I can say I haven't done it for a few weeks. Yep. <laughs> um, no, uh, look, I, I ride track work too, but at the moment I've sort of been on the ground a bit more because we're lucky enough to have a, a really good track rider and apprentice. So I generally come on when the the difficult horses are there. I get my um, my hand goes up for those ones, yep. unfortunately. No. But um, no, um, we, we, I'm really lucky in the way that we've got with staff that our morning um, gets done quite early, and we've we've got about 20 in work at the farm and. I generally am not there of an afternoon because we've got an adjustment and stud um, at Evandale, about 30 minutes from our property, um, where we um, we stand ambidexter, uh, the South Australian ex South Australian stallion. So it's our first season doing that. So I'm normally arvo at the studs and morning at, at the stables. So yeah, it's pretty busy, but look, I love it. Well, sounds like it. And when you when you're getting winners like you are and having the success, it always makes things a little bit easier. You, you mentioned the you mentioned the farm then, and you, and you mentioned the, the the facility where you train. Tell us a little bit about it because it must make life a smidgen a little bit easier when you've got such a great facility like you do. 
Yeah, look, I, I started out um, as a track wet rider at Graham McCulloch's at Grenville Stud, and Graham's um, he really loves to train with the farm environment. And uh, having worked there, I could just see how horses really do thrive under those sort of circumstances. And um, so we sort of uh, replicated Graham, and, and we put in an 800 metre sand track for slow work. We've got a, a hill track for gallops and uh, a walker and a pool so we can do most from the from the farm and we head into Longford once a week generally for flat gallops but it's just a little bit more cruisy and uh, as you guys all know it's hard to get staff that want to work early and it just probably means that our times are not quite as early a start as it would have been if we were on course so it makes it a bit easier to be able to get staff to work at stables. Now now Cam I'm with a name like Cameron I'm not surprised you're having success because they all seem to be doing uh, pretty well. Outside of me. Uh, but when you say an earlier start or a little later start, what time? Because people at home going, all right, so a little bit later, but what does that mean? 6 a.m. compared to 4? Yeah, so 6 a.m. generally. We, we can't do too much until it's light at the farm because we haven't got lights on the track. So 6 a.m. generally we're on the first horse, but uh, the once a week we head into the track, we still start at 4.30. So we've got one early morning, but it's just it's just not as, um, as busy as, as Melbourne. Probably. If the discussion ever comes up about maybe getting lights uh, set up there on the farm, will you just be knocking it back and saying, no, I think that it works pretty well? No, I don't think they could do it at the farm. It'd be too difficult. Yeah, yeah. and you, want those, you just want those extra couple yeah, of hours. They're very important. That's exactly right. Hey, Cam, before we let you go, mate, love, love catching up. Uh, you got a few runners at Devonport on Sunday. Has you got a couple that you really should look uh, and, and try and tip the punters into? Yeah, sure. We've got a couple of horses later on in the program. Um, my apprentice, Taya Stork, is having a first race ride on Trojan Storm, and he's forever running second. So hopefully uh, a four-kilo claim might finally help him get that bob. Um, we've got a really nice horse late in the day called DeRosa from Matt Kamani's stable um, that is uh, starting first up from a spell. A really nice horse to probably follow going into the spring. He'll get better as he gets over a trip, but I think he could run a cheeky race first up. Oh, brilliantly done. Love it, mate. Congratulations to a nice start. And when we are able to travel from where we are, we're looking forward to coming and checking out your facility as well because we've heard nothing but good things. So hopefully, and it won't be at 6 a.m., Brownie and I are a little maybe like 11.30 midday type of operators. So uh, we look forward to checking it out, mate, meeting you in person and uh, having a look at those, that, that great joint you got. Thank you very much for having me on. Cheers. Um, good luck, Cameron. He is flying right now and uh, at SN underscore track as well. Yeah, five wins, 10 places yeah. from 27 starts. It doesn't get better than that. No, it doesn't. You know? He is on fire. We'll get to the break. Plenty more on the other side of this. Live around Australia on SEN Track, you're listening to Taz Racing Talk with Cam Luke and Campbell Brown. As we work our way towards what's going to be a big weekend and of course, in the harness racing world, that's no exception. This weekend, Jamie Cockshot joins us. Jamie, welcome back. Yeah, good afternoon, lads. Mate, just just quickly, before we uh, get into it, and Chris Howlett's going to join us very shortly, I do need to ask, uh, how were your tips last weekend? Because humility is something oh. we don't have on this show, so if you tipped a couple, brag about it, please. No, we did okay, mate, but yeah, one of, one of them let us. One of us let us down. The first two won it, I think, at about two sixty seven dollars yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, one later in the night let us down, mate. Yeah. So, two out of three ain't bad. Okay. Hang on, Jamie. Two out of three ain't bad. Now, the, the reason I bring it up is I, I backed the $7 winner, okay, on the back of your advice. And I was a $7 winner is something that, now, outside of Meatloaf, who, of course, ruined his reputation in this country back about 10 years ago, two out of three isn't bad. But when one's a $7 winner... Next thing you know, mate, that, that that's like tipping four or five winners. So yep. 
Mate, don't try and shy away from it. You were brilliant last week, and that only sets the standard of which we expect you to uphold each and every week from now on. <laughs> oh, no worries, boys. <laughs> hey, big weekend ahead of us too. Plenty of winners to be had, mate. What are you most looking forward to? Yeah, no, there's some good races at home, mate. We've got the finals of the two sweepstakes series, which for the two-year-olds, so it's for the Colts and Geldings, the first run, the second one's for the Phillies and me, or Phillies, not me yet. Um, yeah, they're the two highlights at home, but it's a good little meeting, to be honest. Um, a couple of the better bets on the night. The first one comes up in race three, number two. If it's to be, it's up to me. Um, drawn perfectly. He's just going gangbusters for Paul Ashwood since he's come across from Victoria. Hopefully we'll get like $2, $2.20, and he's a really good gambler at those odds. Um, race four comes up, number three, Mickey O. We're going to be talking to Chris shortly, but he's a really nice type, Mickey O. He's only had two starts, and he's been very good in both of them, and I think he'll be taking out the Colton Geldings final of the sweepstakes series. Then we head across to the Phillies race, mate. I think uh, May's place, you know, she's just a real professional little filly. Um, there is a horse in it that can make a race of a river called Miss Pappenhausen. Might mm-hmm. be able to make up for last week when it got beaten, yes. but but um, May's place, I think, will get the job done again. And the other good thing of the night, I think, comes up in race seven, number twelve. You know, we might get four dollars this one. Sports Candy um, had no luck at Launceston, just kept running up the rear end of other horses in a junior drivers' race and. With the senior driver back on, Connor Crook, who trains it, I think he'll be very aggressive at some stage, and you know I think she'll be winning as well. And we've got a value play, mate. It's not a value; it'll be four dollars, but I think it'll be winning. Race five, number eleven, Montana Lad. It's that man again. Connor Crook jumps on board, and the last time we drove him, he did win by twenty-three metres at Launceston two starts ago. So I think he's a good gamble as well, boys. Yeah, Jamie, what, what time uh, and what day do the prices come out? Because just going through at the moment, uh, looking at um, Hobart Sunday, no prices up yet. Do you do you wait by the uh, do you wait by the computer? Yeah, and once they come yeah, out, you yeah. snap them up. Yeah, well, it's pretty hard, mate. You know, it's hard to get on in Hobart. You know, if you one of them guys lucky enough to have a bet three six five account, they'll come up Saturday night around seven pm. Yep. But otherwise, you've got to wait till the Sunday morning around about 9 o'clock for Tab Corp to go up first, and you, you'll get Sportsbet and all the other corporates follow suit. Okay. So it's not easy to get on, but if you've got a mate who's got a Bet365 account, you usually get slightly better odds than what you do on the Sunday morning, mate. Hey, Jamie, you, you speak Miss Pappenhausen, and of course, a lot of Melbourne Storm fans around the country took the Melbourne Storm Miss Pappenhausen double last week, and I unfortunately was one of them. So Melbourne Storm didn't let us down, but old Miss Pappenhausen did. So looking forward to her uh, being able to help us out and uh, revenging her uh, second last week. Yeah, no, she's a nice filly. She is, and she's going to be better as time goes on. And the only difference in the race, I think May's place just... He's a real little professional two-year-old where Miss Pappenhausen is open to a lot of improvement going forward. And mm-hmm. It won't shock me if Miss Pappenhausen turns the tables at all. All right. There's there's only one way to put pressure on you, uh, Jamie, as a punter, is to be able to get the trainer of a, of a horse that you've tipped. And this is what we've been able to do. Chris Howlett joins us now. Mickey O has been tipped by Jamie only moments ago. Chris, as we welcome you in, he's confident. Are you confident that he'll run well on Saturday on Sunday? Oh, I think he'll go okay. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Only okay. That's what, no, no, no. He's, he's playing it down, but I like it. I like it. Hello, Chris. And welcome to the show, mate. First off, how you doing? Good. Yep. It's an exciting time. Yep. yep. Yeah. No, it's good with the young horses. Yeah, they are exciting. Yep. Yep. 
when it comes to this time of the year and you, you've got a couple, you've been in the game for a little while, both as a, uh, as a, as a, as a driver and as, as a trainer, when you come to this time of year and you've got some young ones coming in, you have a look at, at races like this, it must add a bit of a spring to your step. Yeah, it is nice with the, the young ones. I mean, I've been training for 46 years, so I've seen a few over those years, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's, and it's nice for the, uh, <clears throat> when the family's involved in them, uh, they, when you educate them, buy them, educate them or breed them, um, it works out well when, when they start to go okay. Chris, yeah. 40, 40 plus years of, of doing it. What, what's the one thing that gets you up in the morning that you just absolutely love about it? Oh, it's in your blood. <laughs> you don't feel like it all the time, but um, yeah, you just don't know what's, you know, what's going to eventuate out of it. And it's a family concern with us. So we, we treat it that way. We don't, um, we don't get tied to it and we can, um, yeah, we just get the enjoyment out of, you know, seeing the, fruits of your work, I suppose. Trying to find that, that next star that uh, is around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, just the general, you know, the social part of it too. And um, just, yeah, I mean, sports, there's nothing better than sporting for, for outside interest. You mentioned uh, the family being involved and, and sons and daughters and all in different aspects of, of what you do. What are those conversations like? Because families can sometimes argue on the, the minuscule of things, but it's probably intensified when you're involved in something like this on a day-to-day basis. What are those discussions like? Is there is there someone who traditionally gets their own way when it comes to decisions to be made? Oh, yeah, well, it's, not, it's not difficult, but one of the leading questions for a lot of years was who... Who drives what when the three were driving? Fair enough. But, uh, it was the one that uh, that was easy work out. The one that done the work did the driving. Yep. So that stops all all that. But uh, yeah, no, we keep it pretty pretty well. Yeah, we don't have a lot to say about it. But everyone has their input, and and I suppose more people, you know, having their you know having their ideas is is all the better because there's no set way with anything. So it's just a matter of I mean, all I am is there is sort of. To be there all the time, and, and the others, the only way to learn is is through experience, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The way I operate is everyone give me their opinion and advice, and then I make the final call on it. Is that the same way you roll, Chris? Well, it is. <laughs> I mean, you can't make it right. You can't make it right all the time, but um, they've all they've all got their different ways. Matthew's fairly quiet. Braden, he'll sort of you know he'll have his he'll have his two bobs worth. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's um. It works out. It works out. If it works out. It's fine. If not, we uh, we have to go to Plan B. And, and the yeah. thing is, and I was just going to say, the thing is too, Chris, in that situation, anything shared with family, of course, is at a, at a higher level of, of success. And, and when it comes to the excitement around it, so there is no doubt that when it does go right, which it does a lot for 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 yourself and the family, it must mean that little bit of extra specialty on top of it. Yeah, well, it is, and that that's it. I mean, you can train horses, and training for owners is fine, but. It, it is it is nice when you've um, when you've either bred them or you've seen all the you know all the trials and tribulations as they come through to um, when they succeed. Uh, Chris, uh, we love jumping online and having a chat with you. It's a, a big big weekend, and we're looking forward to Mickey O in particular running well on Sunday. Thanks, mate, and good luck. Yeah, thanks very much. Chris, Chris, Chris Howlett, he uh, joins us on Taz Racing Talk. Before we let you go, Jamie, any last words or any uh, bit of advice for the punters around Tassie? Nah, just more or less what I said, but, you know, just like to reiterate, Chris, you know, his operation's a family affair, you know, maybe about 20 k's, probably 20 or 30 k's from Hobart, and, yeah, it's a family affair with Matthew and Braden. You know, Braden's pretty well known on social media in Tasmania, you know, harness racing, and 
like you said, Matty, he's a very quiet fellow. I tried to get him onto the show, but he's a bit quiet and he's a bit humble. And But hopefully we get him on a few weeks when Mickey O lights up on Sunday night and takes out the beacon race. Quiet and humble, two things that this show doesn't traditionally associate with, but he is a superstar. Jamie, so are you, mate. Thank you. Good luck for the weekend. We'll talk next week. Take care, boys. Thank you. We are done. Taz Racing Talk. Brownie, let's do it again next week. Can't wait.